Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. He's an author, he's an actor, he's an activist, and he's really funny as hell. I Take My Coffee Black is the book. His name is Tyler Merritt. Welcome. Karen, how are you, my friend? It's so great to be yeah. up in the mix with you right now. Come on, Black, brilliant and beautiful. Hi. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go. All right, you were. We, I know you could hear us uh, talk about the state of our union. There's a, a poll out that says that 50 percent of Americans, 49 percent, believe that this democracy is over, that it's going to be over. And I agree with them. I might be among the 49 percent. And there's a level of frustration. There's uh, there's a a a battle that we're in right now for the soul of what it means to be human, even. Right. You're an activist. Um, I'm going to put that first because I think everything else informs your activism. Where are we right now and how do we get to a place of community? I think there was a period of time over the past um, Trump time where we were so uh, the, the fuels of being concerned and the hatred of Trump was like spurring us on, right? Like it was on everything. We were watching news because we wanted to hear what ridiculous thing that he did next in hopes that maybe that would be the thing that would key us in to this new future that we were also holding on to and grasping upon and wanting and needing. And I was just talking to a friend recently about how we landed and ended up with Biden, as you know, and I feel like if you pay attention to politics at all, black people were like, we are not messing around this time. We're not trying to mess with Bernie. We're not trying, we just need to get somebody in there that we can, we need to get this other guy out. And as soon as we got that other guy out, it felt like we got, hear me, I don't wanna say we. There felt like there was a, we, bre- we were able to breathe for a moment. Like, okay, at least we got that out of the background for now. But soon that breathing easy became and turned into complacency. It turned into a lack of fight in my opinion, amongst individuals that are maybe a little bit older. We're like, we're all right, we're cool, we're, we're fine now. But we got kids that are coming up behind us that that there's, man, these are the kids, the kids of the future, the future politics will be the kids that learn how to hide under desks, not because of earthquakes, but because of shootings. These kids that are coming up behind us are going to learn, they, they never learn that gay was wrong. They never learned that LGB, uh, being, uh, being a part of the LGBT community was a negative thing. These kids that are coming up behind us, they, they only have hope because a lot of them were born into crap. And we're up here, I would say, you know, some of us in our middle age and up, we're, we're, we're struggling. We're struggling to see a future. We're struggling to have hope. But I remember what it felt like, Karen, when I was in high school. I remember when I was listening to New Edition and Boys to Men and, and you know, and whatnot, feeling like the future was gonna be bright, the future was gonna be good. But it feels like the older that we get sometimes, Karen, we start to lose that little fire. But I will tell you, the kids still have it. Hmm. The problem though is, is the kids are looking at this, this antiquated system of voting. And they're going, if this is all we got for change, 
If all you old heads are telling us to vote, 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 that's our only key to change is this system that feels antiquated, that feels that feels old, that feels like it's not actually a part of who I am. Then I think when you say, you know, are we in trouble? I think that gap there, that gap is the thing that um, could be a problem. I feel like it's us. It's our, and I'm not an old head yet. When I say old head, you know, we got old heads, right? I'm an you know, old we head. Ain't old. We, <laughs> we ain't old heads yet, but I do feel like we have a responsibility to say to these young bucks, you can do it. You can do it. When we used to march, when, when in, well, in the times when people were marching in the real social justice movements, in the real times we were fighting for our vote and, and fighting so people would see us as black people, when Martin Luther King was doing everything he could to make sure he was on television so people could see him on the other side of the world. He was fighting because he knew that the system could work. It could work. This experiment that we created could work. And for a while there, we were chugging along. And then of course we have Mr. Trump come in and, and make us think that, make us think that everything that we fought for, Karen, was a phase. Make us feel that everything that we fought for was a mistake. Made us feel that everything that we fought for was in vain. But it's not. And I'll tell you, sometimes I just feel like as a black man, I don't have the privilege to not have hope. And that is what I want to pass on to the kids. I want to say, look, it's okay to be starry-eyed, even in a system that seems broke to you. But if we can find, if we can meet somewhere in the middle, if we, can, if we can meet somewhere in the middle, maybe you don't see the hope in Joe, but you can see the hope in Kamala. You can, you can see it. You can see it. You may not be able to see it on every um, level. I don't have a snowball's chance in hell. Okay. Hey, I didn't listen, listen, listen. <laughs> no. I, hear me, hear me. I did not say that she is the next president. I'm saying currently, right now, if you have to hold on to anything. No. If you have to hold, to hold on, to, on anything. to anything. You haven't seen our movie RRR. We need a ROM. <laughs> we need our ROM who got a long-term plan, who's going to work and come out and, and take it. We need some ROMs I, I, out I'm, there. I'm not going to argue with that, but I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. We have to birth hope in some of these young bucks, man. I'm not we in have the hope. To. I'm not in the hope. Uh, listen. Well, this I, is I, not I, for I, you, though. This is what he's saying. This is what he's saying, Tanya, that this is that we can't pull it from the from the people, the, the, the people who you just said is going to inherit this mess that we that they've made because I participate in this at all. Uh, I, I only brought goodness into the world. I feel like I'm, I'm not responsible for any of this mess right here. I've only tried to give people everything. Uh, that said, though, Tyler, you know, you you you've touched on something. You know, I teach. I said I teach because it does provide me with insight into what this next generation is not just confronted with. And there's a lot of mental mental health issues. Um, and, and there's a lot of depression among these kids. They they don't feel like they have anybody they can talk to. They don't feel like they have anybody that sees them. And, you know, most of my class is spent not doing journalism, but talking 
and giving right. them, you know, some stability to know that there's somebody out there that sees them, that loves them, that is going to listen to them. But to your point, you know, we have a lot of work to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you came in with that because um, it can reframe if we put our eyes on the young, even though they can't vote, which is why they don't get a voice. Right. So this is it's a very twisted system. We should lower the voting age and raise the age to get a gun. I think I think 16 year olds should be able to vote and right. you shouldn't be able to get a gun until you're 25. And I think that would change a lot of things. Um, you know, because here's the truth, Karen. We is though we act like it. We are. We are not going to live forever. We, we aren't going to live forever. And there's going to be a point where these 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, these young 20 year old kids that we look at like babies and half the time don't know what they're talking about that are dealing with mental issues. You know, when, when I was 17 years old, if I went to my mom and said, I'm really having mental health issues right now, she'd be like, boy, go to your room. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we're, we're in a different place, but those, these kids, whether we want to admit it or not, one of these days are going to be running it, are going to be running it and, and act and sitting around here. Like we're so concerned about us that we're so concerned about us right now. That's not going to spark the fire we need. I That's would not going to spark age to 14. Scholastic has been doing a survey. I wouldn't be mad at that. Since voting of who would be the next president and high schoolers have accurately predicted the next president ever since Scholastic began doing that survey. So they know something. Yeah, they I think 14 something. is good too. I wouldn't, I, I was dope at 14. I was, I think I was doper at 14 than I am now. 866-801-8255 in terms of being fearless. And, you know, Tyler Merritt is here. So he's got a book called I Take My Coffee Black. <laughs> and you, your first chapter, you talk about, you know, trying to exercise every day and this walk that you take and you know i think you said you're vegan <laughs> are you trying Ve- i'm vegetarian. vegetarian i'm not vegetarian don't get crazy Ve- now don't get okay. crazy okay what's crazy about being a vegan was it the dairy That's a lot of work being vegan's a lot of work man to like not eat anything with a mom that's a lot of work <laughs> hilarious okay and it's true oh, you're absolutely right okay walk us through why like first of all i take my coffee black the title's dope Reflections on Tupac Musical Theater, Faith and Being Black in America. What spurred you writing this book and what message do you want us to walk away with? Well, one, and I really do believe this, you just got to step onto any HBCU in America. There is no one way to be Black. There's just not. There is no one way to be Black. And sometimes even we can try to act like there's a singular way to be black. And and you know that there is not. So in this book, I talk about Tupac. I talk about um, Gwyneth Paltrow. um, I talk about Brad Pitt. I talk about um, NWA. I, I, I go everywhere because that's what I grew up on. That's who I was raised in Las Vegas in an environment where everybody looked different than me. And I always knew I was black, but I didn't know my blackness was a problem until I went out and visited in um, Alabama as a young kid and went to New York as a young kid and realized that my blackness was an issue for some people. But I was raised in this little part of Las Vegas where everybody around me was different. And it, it didn't occur to me because of the military too. It didn't occur to me that 
I wasn't supposed to have friends that look different than me. I wasn't, I was, I didn't realize it was weird that I listened to different styles of music. Um, of course, my mom and dad raised me on like gospel music, hip hop, all the old R&B and all of that. But, you know, I'm in fifth grade and this girl says, hey, I really like Bon Jovi. And she was cute. And I was like, yeah, me too, girl. Um, and she was like, what's your favorite song? I was like, well, I, you know, I'm really into into a Bon Jovi. And she's like, it's it's Bon Jovi. It's not a Bon Jovi. I'm like, yeah, yeah, girl, I got you. I had my mom take me to <laughs> take me to the BX on bass and buy the Slippery When Wet album. Memorized the whole record that night. Came back the next day talking about, girl, you know, that song Wanted Dead or Alive, where he says, I got six string on my back. I was, you know, and she was like, okay, for me, I was finding color in all these things around me. I was finding brilliance in all these things around me. But what I didn't realize, Karen, is that as I continued to grow up with that kind of proximity to people, that when I got to a certain age, that would be my superpower, right? So now I could talk to anybody. Now, if you come to me from the right, from the far, far right, I go, I know, I know folks like you and I love people like you. So let's talk real. Or if you come to me from, from the super duper far left and say, this is how it is. I can go, okay, I know, I, I've, I've been with you and I love people like, like us. Let's discuss. So in this book, I tried to put together flavors of real life blackness. There's a lot of history in it, a lot of history, but I, but I kind of sneak it to you in a very humorous way and enter those stories to you of history through the stories that I tell. And um, I also, because I believe, I really do believe this part, that to really get to know somebody, um, there has to be a little bit of fear in your writing. Like if you're gonna tell somebody about who you are, you has to, it has to be fearful to you a little bit. So I become super transparent in this book. I talk about sex, I talk about God, I talk about my fears, but the hope is that by the end of the book, you felt like you've walked with a six foot two black man in a way that maybe you never have before. And not just for white people, but for my brothers and sisters who need to read a book that isn't one note, that isn't one thing. When we walk out of here, y'all was in a, a book club with a all black book, book club, which is the best part about it is there were men in it because there's rarely ever men in book clubs. And um, they were all sitting around being like, bro, like, I feel me in this book, but this book feels full of so many other things than just a singular lane of blackness. And I'm like, because I don't know many black people that walk in a singular lane at all. I, I, don't, I don't know any. So we need to stop having books that make it look that way. We need to start reading stories that make it look that way. And we need to start telling people who we are for real so that they know we are colorful, we are beautiful, we are black and we are so many shades of it. But I take my coffee black is we are also like, there's no chaser involved, there's no cream or sugar. What you get is what you're gonna get. Like you're gonna taste the bitterness, you're gonna taste it all. So that's what's all in this book. It's a lot, it's funny, it's serious, it funny. it's heartbreaking, but all in all, um, it's, it's my little attempt to help change the world. Mm. Tyler Merritt, uh, TTM Project is where you can follow him on Twitter. Give me a piece of history that's buried in this book that we may not know. 
Oh man, I'm not going to get into all the details of it, but I will talk about this. Um, where my parents were, um, where they grew up at, they grew up in a little town called Utah, Alabama, E-U-T-A-W, Alabama. And so uh, people from Alabama, they know it's, it's not too far away uh, from Tuscaloosa. So um, it's about 30 minutes away from Tuscaloosa, but it's a tiny little black town, at least in my mind it was, because when I got there, I, uh, when I visited for the first time, in my, in my, on one side of the road, it's all black. Like you go one, you go one right off the freeway, it's black, the other way it's, it's white. And I always stayed in the black area of town because that's where my parents grew up at. And this was the first time in my life, Karen, I'd only been around black people only, like everybody. It was just, I was like, okay, this, this is just it. And I came in there as from a little boy from, you know, Las Vegas. And, you know, a kid walked up to me and go, hey, you can. And I was like, what? And I looked at my cousin like, what, are you, what is this dude saying? He said, hey, you can. And I was like, no, I'm not kin, I'm Tyler. And my cousin was like, no, he's asking you if you're related, are you kin? I'm like, my goodness. I didn't know, I, this, this is a lot of black people. Like there's a lot of black over here. But come to find out the reason why Utah is that way is because there's a thing and you can Google it in history and you can read my book. I, won't, I don't want to get into all the details, but the Utah massacre. The Utah massacre, a period of time where black people were attempting to find a way to have influence in their town and the way they knew they could do it was through voting. And you better believe there were individuals who did not want black people to vote. And the way to do that is to silence them, to kill them off. The Utah massacre. So now, even when you go to Utah today, it still feels like it was a black side over here and a white side over here. And it's remnants of that. My parents who grew up there and went to high school didn't even know about the Utah massacre. Because you know how it is. There's certain parts of our history we just don't want to teach. But I put it in the book and I talk about it a little bit more in detail. So you got to go get it. Y'all got to go get it. It is called I Take My Coffee Black. Uh, there's so much. I need you to come back. I need you to come back. Reflections on Tupac Musical Theater, Faith in Being Black in America. Tyler Merritt is his name. Will you come back? Will you come back, sir? 100%, Karen. You know, 100%. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.